Okay. Mark 6, the second half of verse 6 to the end of verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. So last week we gave a bit of an overview and we said, we said that like kind of the one section was coming to an end and we were going into a new section of the book of Mark. And uh, the new section actually starts in verse 14 with the, the story of John the Baptist's death. Um, and it starts there and it will end in the middle of Mark chapter 8 where it starts with the announcement of John the Baptist dying and then Jesus' declaration that he is going to die. Um, and, and it's kind of like bookended by, by those two kind of announcements. But this is like an interim passage. And it kind of like tells us the story of, of this, that the disciples have been following Jesus for this period of time. And Jesus himself said, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of of people like he's told them you'll follow me and I will give you a job essentially and up until now we've only seen the disciples really following Jesus they listen to him they have questions they have doubts you know they have ups and downs the disciples but now we get to the first kind of point which as one theologian says that the first up until chapter 6 is about the disciples following Jesus. It's now the next part is about Jesus sending his disciples out or entrusting his disciples with the message. So this is what we read. Jesus has called his disciples earlier in chapter 3 and now he is sending them out. And uh, I don't know about you, But one of the things that has always challenged me in the faith, and it may challenge you, um, but one of the things that I've really struggled with Christianity is that at the core of Christianity is this idea that we're called to proselyze. We're called to tell people about Jesus. That that is right at the core of Christianity. You know, they say like there's two things you never talk about at dinner. What's it? It's politics and religion. Like you don't talk about those things. And at the core of that idea is that, there's, is that religion is a private affair. It's you and God and you and God and whatever you do is your business. Whatever I do is my business. And at the core of that kind of idea, which I think has been like 
core around Western civilization, and we're not Western, but we have Western influences, is this, is like, keep religion to yourself, I'll keep it to myself, but let's not, you know, don't try and convert me. But Jesus, one of the things that Jesus calls his disciples to do, that is core to who they are as being disciples, is to go out and convert people. Go out and preach the gospel to people. Go out and preach the message that Jesus preached. As it says, they went out and preached that people should repent. They preached the very same message that Jesus was preaching in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus now sends out his disciples and he says, As I have been preaching, so now this is your job. Go and preach. We see when Jesus is resurrected, what is the core thing that Jesus does in his resurrection? He calls his disciples to go and preach. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. What is your job? To go out and make disciples, preach, speak. Tell people. In Acts, Jesus resurrected. Jesus, before he ascends to heaven. What does he say in Acts 1 verse 8? Let me just read it so I don't get it wrong. What does he say? But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will witness, you will proclaim, you will talk about me. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. One of the core elements of Christianity is that Christianity, you and I as Christians have been called to be witnesses, to go and proclaim, to go and speak, to go and teach, to go and tell people about Christ. There's, uh, you know, one of the Catholic fathers, um, Francis of Assisi, is famous for saying, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And uh, we love that. We love that because it reaffirms the fact that we hate telling people about Jesus. So we love that. Like, we want to put that on our walls. We remind that to people. We're like, yeah, we should live in such a great way, you know, that, that we don't need to tell people about Jesus. You know, we just people will just know. But in Romans... Paul says, how will people know unless they are taught? And how will they be taught unless someone is sent? 
And he says this when he says, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the message of Christ. Faith doesn't just come by seeing us live such good lives. Faith for people trusting in Christ comes through the proclamation of the message. The hearing of the gospel being preached. And who is going to preach that? It's you and I. That is the call of us as Christians. It is, of course, to live under the authority of Christ. But it is also at the same time to remind ourselves that we have a role in telling others about Jesus. We have a role in witnessing of Christ, witnessing of who Christ is. We have a role of proclaiming the gospel. And that that role is not just limited to you living a good life. And it's not limited just to you living a good life because the gospel ultimately is not about your goodness, which is why it can't be limited to you living a good life. The gospel is about his goodness, even in our unfaithfulness. It is about the fact that he died for us while we were still sinners, that you in your brokenness only have hope because Christ came and died for you in your sin. And people won't know that just because you live a good life. They'll be like, wow, what a great person. Jamie is amazing. Yeah? They don't go, wow, look at the amazing wonder of Jesus' grace. Because Jamie is such an amazing person. Jesus must have died for his sins. <laughs> like, do you know like the inherent contradiction in one sense of the idea that we can just live a good life and people will come to know Jesus. There's an inherent contradiction in that statement because we ourselves are saved not because of our good lives, but because of His grace accomplished on the cross. And so we see in Mark 7, Jesus sends his disciples out to go and do what is one of the core roles of the church. To go and teach, preach, to go and proclaim and to usher in the kingdom. I am, um, one of the things that I find challenging about this passage is it opens up with Jesus went around teaching from village to village. You know, we've seen so many spectacular things. We've, uh, as we've gone through Mark, we see Jesus walking on water. We see Jesus, well, we're going to see Jesus walking on water. We see Jesus calming the storm. We see, I mean, Jesus just does incredible things. And as you go from story to story, there's a temptation to forget that at the core of Jesus' ministry is what not, was not the miraculous. It was teaching. It was preaching. The core essence of Jesus' ministry was to proclaim that even when he commissions his disciples at the end of his life, what does he say? say? He says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them what to obey, what I taught you. 
the emphasis is back on his teaching. That the message of Christ is vitally important to your and I living. That Jesus was a preacher. He was a teacher. And that he came and taught us a way in which we should live. That the reminder of all those things, as we've said, is all those miracles that happen are to remind us that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he has authority over everything. He has authority over death, sickness, creation. He has authority when he teaches like no one has ever heard. It says Jesus is the one who inherently has authority. And those things are reminding ourselves that he is Lord so that when he teaches, we do not just listen to his teaching as wisdom, but we regard his teaching as one who is Lord speaking to his people. The other thing that we see from this passage is not just that we are called to to teach to go out, that that's part of what we're called to do. And I know for some of us, that makes us really uncomfortable. I know, like, it makes me uncomfortable when I think about it. But one of the things that we, we learn is, and this is a challenge for all of us, in, and it's a challenge in our kind of like modern idea of self, where we think our souls are God. Or we think, you know, have you ever like heard those catchphrases or those sayings? It's like, the power is within you. The change is within you. Like, you be you, you do you, the truth is within. Like, you hear all those things. But one of the things that you see when Jesus sends out his disciples is he gives them authority which implies that they didn't have it in and of themselves. He gives them the message. They don't teach their own message. They teach his message. They replicate what he has done. And they do it under his authority. And I think like this challenges me in many ways, but it also reminds me that the Christian life is one in submission to the authority of Christ. And then under the authority of Christ, being able to live that out in the world. That we don't go with our own authority. You know, I, I love that story in Acts where the guy goes to, you know, he goes out and he's like, hey, in the name of Jesus and the name of Paul, I cast out these demons. And the demons are like, wait a minute, we know Jesus, we know Paul, who are you? And then they jump on the guy and beat the guy. Like, such a great story. I, I love it. Um, it's like the funniest story in, in Acts because it's like a reminder that you don't have any authority outside of the authority of Christ. Like, our authority to live under the scriptures, our authority to proclaim the scriptures, our authority to usher in the kingdom of God in any space comes because it has been designated to us, not because it's inherent in us. 
We don't go like the person in Acts, like proclaim, oh, I've heard this. Now I'm just going to, you know, my life is going to be changed. It's going to this. It's going to that. You know, oh, money is coming my way. Like just proclaiming any kind of like thing that we think we can because now we have the super duper authority. What this passage is saying is that the disciples are only stewarding authority given to them. They're not generating or don't have inherent authority. It is authority assigned. And it's authority that comes from submission. It's authority that comes from obedience. It's authority that comes from being under Christ's command. You and I do have, in one sense, authority. That Christ has called us sons and daughters. That we are co-heirs with Christ, as Paul says. That we live within the kingdom. But the constant reminder over the scriptures as here is that that authority does not come from you. It comes from your submission to the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. That we live in freedom and liberty. We live with a sense of power and authority only because Christ has called us, has sent us out has given us that authority. And one of the things that happens here, and I'll wrap up now, is when he calls his 12 to them, he sends them out two by two. Isn't that a, like a fascinating thing? Jesus sends them out two by two. They go in pairs. Uh, when you see in the scriptures... In Acts, you see the same kind of method. Paul goes with Barnabas um, and Silas and sometimes with Titus and Timothy. Um, uh, But there's like this pattern in ministry that ministry shouldn't happen alone. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom. Jesus himself doesn't go alone. He has his disciples with with him, who goes with him, Everywhere, And I think it's a reminder that God's pattern for ministry is not about lone rangers and big names. It's not about gigantic one-person people just doing the stuff that God does. He ministers. He advances the kingdom even in community, in pairs, in groups, together. Paul and Barnabas, I don't know who went, James and John, Peter and Andrew, whoever went out in their pairs, but they went out doing ministry together. It's even one of our desires, as some of you know, is our desires is, and we believe this, that even here at Harbor City, is that eldership and the leadership of the church shouldn't be one person's job. We know that because of circumstances through COVID and 
number of reasons that the eldership team disintegrated or you know went to grant and then to me like so but we know and we've always known this and we've prayed this and we've said it over and over again that our, our hope is that ministry shouldn't be alone leadership in the kingdom is never a one-man job it is a togetherness it is a plurality a team of elders leading a church um, it is two by two people going out And then finally, there is this challenge, which uh, you have in your own theologians wrestle on why Jesus says this. But like, why does Jesus say, take nothing for your journey, except the staff, and wear sandals, but not an extra shirt? It's like kind of like a weird statement. It's like, hey guys, you're going to walk a really long way in a hot desert climate, but you've got no extra clothes, sucker. <laughs> you, like, what is going on there? It's, it's like, it's quite an interesting command of Jesus. But at the end of the day, what I think most of the theologians wrestle about is that this ministry that you and I do, when we minister to people, when we encourage people, when we share the gospel, it ultimately rests on trust in God. What a lot of the commentators say is that what Jesus is saying to his disciples is he's saying this, I've provided for your every need while you've been with me. You need to trust that even while you're not with me in person, I will still provide for your every need. That God, oh, Glenda. That God is looking after his people as his people go out and minister. That is you and I. There's a, the one point in Matthew where it talks about, hey, when you brought before people, don't worry about what you will say. Don't worry about, you know, trying to perfect the perfect message. Trust that in the moment God will provide what needs to be said. That God will use you and speak through you. And there is an element of this as Jesus sends out his disciples of reminding them that we don't go into ministry just having everything all together. We don't go and share the gospel having every answer to every question. We don't go, the disciples are not going out having a bag full of clothing and food and supplies and being like, okay, God, if this doesn't work, we at least we've got our donkey filled with supplies. What's happening is like Jesus reminding them, hey, guys, even as you've learned to trust me while I'm with you, learn to trust me while I'm not. Even as you've learned to trust me in, as you've ministered with me, learn to trust me as you minister about me, but maybe I'm not there. And we know that by his Holy Spirit, he is with us in all occasions. But it's like Jesus is reminding his disciples, guys, you have learned the way of trust. When someone needs to be fed, I feed the 5,000. When the storm needs to be calmed, I can calm the storm. When 
someone needs to be healed, he can heal the sick. He can do all things. When they needed to pay taxes in Luke, what happens? He provides the fish and like the money pops out of the fish. He provides in every way. And it's once again a reminder, hey, as you go out, as you go out and advance the kingdom, as you go out and you minister the gospel, as you go out and you proclaim about Christ, we can trust that he is with us, providing for us in all circumstances. Can I pray?